You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. And welcome to all of you on this lovely Sunday morning here in Los Angeles and just cracking that afternoon time if you're on the East Coast. I'm Dr. Jeff Werber, your host for the next half hour on Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff here on Pet Life Radio. And we are, as I believe, the only live call-in show here on Pet Life Radio. We want you to take advantage of it and call in. As a matter of fact, on hold, we have Frida. We're just going to talk to Frida in just a second. Um, and we're here for you. I'm, it's, it's, it's free. And you're going to get advice, hopefully good advice. And if I can't get you an answer, I will. And we'll talk about it next week. You can reach us live here by calling 877-385-8882. You can also send me an email to Dr. Jeff. That's drjeff at petliferadio.com. You can also just click on the Ask the Vets tab here on Pet Life Radio. You go on to join the conversation and you can do just that. Join in on the conversation. That's how easy it is. So um, we'd love to hear from you. And for those of you who call, and this goes for you too, Frida. So after we're done, you're going to hang on and talk to Mark. Uh, We want to get your information. We're going to send you out a free ProSense product. And one of our other sponsors is Kong. And we are going to send you out a free Kong toy just for calling in, just for sending me an email. If we read your questions live on air, you will get the same goodies. So stay tuned for the next uh, half hour. Don't be bashful. Give us a call. And Frida, how are you? You still on the line? Yes, good. Thank you. Frida, where are you calling Florida. from? Florida. Okay, South go Florida. ahead. All right. Yeah. Go ahead. We have a, a new Border Collie puppy mix, uh-huh. and she jumps a lot. And I wanted to know what the best way to, you know, when we come home and she jumps up on us, what the best way is to discourage that. Okay, first of all, congratulations on getting a new pup. And Border Collies, just so you know, I hope you're really smart, Frida, because they are one of the smartest dogs on the planet. So I hope they don't, she doesn't outsmart you but because uh, <laughs> they are really great. And, you know, it's one of the, the few breeds, and this is sort of guesstimated with a lot of the herding breeds that, you know, typically if you have a dog, let's say I have Labradors, and they're, you know, obviously very smart, very trainable, but they know what they know. And if you taught them something, they're going to know it. What's interesting about the herding dogs is they have the knowledge from what they learn, but if they are faced with a situation that they've never seen before, They seem to be able to draw from that which they do know and make a choice and often the right choice. It's almost like they have this ability to extrapolate, this ability to deduce based on the knowledge that they have. So they are just – it's a fascinating breed and they're so cute and uh, you're going to have hopefully a lot of fun with this one. So as far as jumping – Yeah, she's very cute. The thing with jumping is that you don't want to make it like it's such a bad thing in the sense that they're happy to see you. I think it's great. They should be. Yeah. But we don't want to encourage it because if they're small children. So what you want to you know, the old school was, and I'm sure you've heard this before, is you stick your knee up in their chest, okay? Right. Um, I'm not a huge fan. I think there's two better ways to do it. Number one, okay. dogs are very good, especially when they're on their hind feet because they've jumped up. So they're obviously on their hind feet. They can actually walk forward fairly well, but they don't do such a great job working backwards, So when you have a dog that's jumping up on you, you should go forward rather quickly, okay? They don't want to fall over. They don't want to fall backwards on their behinds, right? So they're going to jump off. Now, whenever you put a dog 
in a position that is uncomfortable for them, they typically aren't going to want to repeat that behavior. So if every time they jump up, you tell yourself and you teach your kids and whoever, just walk forward really fast. She might take a, a hop or two backward, and after that, she's going to say, to heck with this. She's no fun. Yeah, so, yeah. And the other thing you can do is whenever you see it, you can, if you see it in the process, keep going backwards yourself before she links onto you, before she attaches to you. And that way, she'll miss uh-huh. the target every time. She'll stop. One last way you can do it if you have a dog who's really bad and they have a tendency every, even with this in a sit to want to jump is you have their leash on their training leash okay you mm-hmm. want to step on it just at the point where the highest their head can get off the ground is when they're naturally sitting but anything uh-huh. above that they can't they're like stuck to the ground because you're stepping on the leash at that two and a half foot part okay oh. so you follow so you're That's giving yeah. No play, no play at all. You, it's like you're gonna see where, how much where you the leash needs to be when they're at a sit, and that's where you step on it. And they're glued at that point. They can go lower, but they cannot go higher. And, uh, oh, that's, and those great, are, that's great ideas. And the last yeah. thing you can do is always when these are all the things to stop them from exhibiting the behavior. Now we have to make sure they know that you appreciate the fact that they are behaving well and they're no longer jumping or stop. So always ask them to do something where they can earn their praise, like just a simple sit or stay, and then give them a good pat on the head, maybe a little tidbit of a treat, and let them know how thrilled you are that they are not jumping. So it's not just stopping the negative behavior. It's you want to reward the fact that they're no longer exhibiting that negative behavior. Okay. Okay. Fantastic. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thanks for listening. And if you can hang on or you can call back after our show, talk to Mark, our producer. We're going to get you information and we are going to send you out something for puppy for your new uh, Border Collie. What's her name, by the way? Penny. Penny. So Penny will get a, yeah. uh, a little treat on our behalf here at Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff on Pet Life Radio. Thank you for listening. And by the way, Frida, anytime you need to call in, you're going to hopefully have a bunch of training questions and the house training and all this stuff as you go through this puppyhood stage, which, by the way, as we all know, is probably the most challenging, including the chewing. Right. Um, please give us a call back. Feel free to call and we'll talk about it. Okay, great. Thank you. Okay, thanks a lot. So uh, last week on the show, we touched upon some things that we were going to, I wanted to address. We got a little sidetracked because we ended up, started uh, discussing all of, uh, well, not all, but many of the household poisons. And we're going to talk some more about that. One of our future guests on the show is a good friend of mine, Dr. Justine Lee, who is a double board certified in both veterinary toxicology and veterinary emergency medicine critical care. And we're going to talk to her about some of the many things around the house that our pets seem to get into that have a toxic effect and what we need to do, how we need to handle them, which ones might you be able to do something at home. And seasonal allergies are something that, and it's called that seasonally because there is definitely a seasonality to what we see affecting our dogs and cats, mostly our dogs. And what's interesting is that with dogs especially, and this does not hold true with cats, which makes the challenge a bit greater when dealing with cats, is we can often tell by the location of a lesion on a dog's body what the culprit may be. Sometimes even what the culprit is, but at least what it may be. So there are clues when we look, examine that dog, we look at the dog, and I can tell a client, well, this is X or Y allergy, and they go, well, how do you know? I said, because of look where the lesions are. So let me be more specific. Now, understand, a pet who is allergic, more likely than not, is allergic to more than just one thing. 
So basically, there's going to be overlap. And it's also important to note that one of the biggest allergens affecting our pets are those that are inhaled. We call that atopy. Atopy is inhaled allergies. Now, as we all know, for us, what happens if we have hay fever, as I did as a kid, and I inhale a pollen that I'm allergic to, what are my symptoms typically going to be? They're going to be respiratory. I'm going to get that snotty nose. I'm going to get stuffy. I'm going to sneeze. I'm going to cough possibly. So that scratchy throat, anyone who's had it, you know what I'm talking about. And that's how we typically react to these allergens. And our dogs, our pets, it's different. Not to say they can't have a sneeze from the actual irritation of that pollen, those particles that they're inhaling, but that's not typically going to be the manifestation of their allergic disease. What is that manifestation going to be? It's going to be skin problems. They're going to scratch. They're going to scratch themselves raw. They're going to create such a problem that the staph epidermidis, the normal bacteria living on a dog's body, is going to become an opportunist and pathologic. So it's going to actually start creating a problem. And before this, it lived fine, totally at peace on the dog with the dog. So there's going to be scratching, there's going to be irritation, there's going to be sores, redness. We call pustules, which are little pimples. Erythema is the redness. We are going to see collarettes or target lesions. There are so many problems. And typically, again, where are they going to appear? Pretty much on the underside of their bodies, inside in the backs of their thighs, and maybe also some of their ears. They might have an ear problem associated with allergy. Now, what happens when you see that dog, and I'm sure you've seen them wherever you are, especially this time of year, that has crusts and missing a lot of hair or very thinning hair at their rump, their lower back, just above the tail, going up about four to five inches, and they're, you know, they're stopping and they're scratching, they're turning around. And when I see that, Am I thinking pollen as my number one source of allergen? And the answer is no, because in that area, clearly in a dog, it's going to be fleas. So it is fleas until proven otherwise. I'm going to examine that dog. I'm going to be looking not just for live fleas, because hopefully the owner has this pet on some sort of flea control, and we're not seeing a lot of live fleas. But what I'm going to see, I'm going to see hopefully what we call flea dirt, flea dirt, is the flea excrement, which basically is, here's the gross part, dried blood. And who's dried blood? Your dog's dried blood. So, so much so that when we see these dogs that have just a horrendous flea load and a lot of this crust and it feels, looks like pepper almost, and you put them in the tub and the water coming off of this dog is literally red. It is the grossest thing you can imagine. And you can also imagine how uncomfortable this poor dog was to have this many fleas on him or her that the body's turning red when you wash it off. It's disgusting. So, so, so there are, again, this is, you know, I always joke when a dog comes in and he's, he doesn't follow these rules or he's, he's got fleas, but he's got, you know, all his lesions are on his belly or he's got no fleas and he's got lesions on the back. And I say, wait a second, that's not, I always joke. We read the book, but the dogs didn't read the book. They don't know exactly where they're supposed to manifest their allergies. So sure, there's overlap. It could happen anywhere, but it just gives us a starting point. Now, what about that dog? And I get this in the history all the time. Doc, he is chewing his feet like crazy. You can actually see the saliva stain on his feet. 
he is rubbing his face. He'll go down the carpet. He'll go up against a wall and rub his face. And also, often, because of the face thing, he's going at his ears. So what am I thinking now? Well, we've already talked about the fleas and the rump, lower back, the backside, on the top of the dog. Then we talked about the ventral surface problem in the inside thighs, in the inguinal area, we call that. And that's the pollen, the inhaled pollen problem. And of course, by the way, it also could be something more topical in the sense that we have a contact dermatitis. Sometimes dogs lie down. If they lie down on a carpet that was just treated with some sort of carpet cleaner and they are sensitive to that carpet cleaner, we can see that problem as well. But what about the feet, the feet, the face, and the ears? What am I thinking? I'm thinking food allergy. So just as insane as an inhaled allergen doesn't typically present with respiratory problems, wouldn't you know it that a food allergy clearly doesn't necessarily, in fact, hardly ever present with an intestinal problem. It's not like they get diarrhea. It's not like they get they vomit. When they are allergic to foods, they also scratch. So these poor dogs, no matter what the allergen, pretty much, they are going to scratch, whether it's inhaled, whether it's flea, whether it's food, whether it's contact. They're just plumb out of luck. So again, now it's time to start evaluating what to do about food. So anyway, we're getting to that point now, and it is time for a quick break. So keep your station right here. Don't move here on Pet Life Radio. Ask the best with Dr. Jeff, and we'll be back in just a minute. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. It's dinner time in America where more pet parents trust PetSmart for natural and expert-recommended foods than any place else. And now, we've added more than 100 new varieties to our already wide selection of your favorite brands, like Simply Nourish, Authority, Wellness, Science Diet, and more. Do what's best for your pet. At PetSmart, happiness in store. Go to PetSmartDeal.com to find out this week's coupon code and save up to 30% on food, treats, toys, and more. And get free shipping on orders of $49. Go to PetSmartDeal.com. P-E-T-S-M-A-R-T-D-E-A-L.com. I'm home. My hair looks cute. Now what? Bring home a puppy or new dog is exciting, and he's depending on you to keep him in good health. Dogs need special care to keep them healthy as they grow throughout their entire life. Caring for their health is critical in all stages. With ProSense, it's simple and convenient to give your dog the care it needs with effective and quality products that treat, prevent, and provide essential daily vitamins and minerals. ProSense products are veterinary formulated and recommended to ensure the very best for your pet. Try ProSense today. Your dog will thank you for it. Pets love life. Love them back with ProSense. Pet Life Radio, the number one pet radio network on the planet, joins forces with iHeartRadio to put the power of your pets in your pocket. Awesome. Download the iHeartRadio app and rock Pet Life Radio on your phone, on your tablet, on your Xbox, in your car. Pet talk, pet tunes, and fun pet times. Pet Life Radio and iHeartRadio. Positively possum. Hi, this is T.O.D. Anderson, and I'm the host of Get Positive Results on Pet Life Radio. We're going to talk about a variety of topics on canine behavior and training, all based on modern methods that are fun for you and your dog. We might be talking about other critters, too. So join us on Get Positive Results. We'll talk about common issues between you and your dog, answer your questions, discuss different activities you can do with your dog, and keep you posted on current canine news and products. All this on Get Positive Results on Pet Life Radio. 
Let's Talk Pets. Let's Talk Pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs> Welcome back to uh, Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vet, Dr. Jeff. I am your host, Dr. Jeff Werber. And before the break, we were talking about allergies and how huge a problem it is this time of year and how complicated it could be because of the various manifestations of allergens, where they are in the body might give us some clues as to what the main culprit might be, but of course, there's overlap. And I continue to allude to cats and how they are really a challenge. Why? Because cats don't give us the luxury of the source of the allergen based on their presentation. In other words, a cat can be allergic to any of the things we talked about, whether it's food, whether it's the inhaled allergens, the pollens, the weeds, the, tr- the grasses, whether it's fleas, and they will present any way of all of these or a combination thereof. And their condition, they often present with is called miliary dermatitis. They have these little scabs and sores and thickened skin and very uncomfortable and very itchy. But their, the location of their lesions gives us no clue necessarily to which of the various potential allergens can be affecting them. So it's, it makes it a little more difficult for a cat. The good news is, and when you get to treatment in a minute, cats respond pretty much the same. Through the same treatment, they respond very well. So they're a little easier for us to deal with to treat. So before the break, we just started talking about the different food possibilities, food allergies, and how even though a dog or a cat might be allergic to food, the manifestation of this allergy is via skin. So, and typically they're going to do a lot of foot licking, a lot of face rubbing, and a lot of ear scratching. Now, mind you, if you remember, we talked about the pollens, they will also go after their ears. So there is going to be some overlap. Feet. How about the dog who is continually walking outside on grass or something, some surface that there is a contact sensitivity? Of course, they're going to lick at their feet. So you're going to say to yourself, wait a second, is this food licking at the feet or is this contact allergy licking at the feet? Or is it a weird manifestation of an inhaled allergy? So understand, it's not a slam dunk by any means, but it gives us some clues. So where do we go from here? Well, the easiest diagnosis, at least, in other words, the cause of the problem for any of the allergens is going to be fleas. Because all you need to do is look at the dog. You're going to see live fleas. You're going to see flea dirt, preferably the location of the lesions at the lower back. And you're going to say, oh, flea allergy. Let's work to control the flea allergy. And for that, there are many, many good things you can do. You need to speak with your veterinarian. A lot of products out there. Uh, Some I like, some I'm not so thrilled about. But you want to check with your vet start with some. There are two aspects to this control. Number one is we need to obviously control the fleas. And there's some great oral products out there. There's some really good spot-on products out there. And as I mentioned, there are some products out there that I do not recommend. They are using old technology. One of them out there, the experts might be actually seeing resistance. But the bottom line is check with your veterinarian. Now, there are also now, as I mentioned, because of the initial allergy and the scratching and the irritation and the erythema, the redness and the thickness, the skin's natural body defenses all right, are now compromised. So normal bacteria that typically have not created a problem for a dog's skin are now creating a problem. So we need to control 
the actual symptoms before us, meaning we have to control the redness. We have to control the secondary bacterial infection. We have to try to control the actual allergic disease. And again, for that, clearly bathing, very important. Any type of emollients or things that you can apply topically to soothe the skin. Antihistamines topically might help. How about obviously antibiotics to control the secondary infection? Where we get into some discussion and some problems is that since histamine is not a major player of the canine allergic response, antihistamines are not going to be really effective. In fact, it's guesstimated that maybe up to maybe 20% of the entire allergic response might be histamine mediated. It's usually less than that. So you're not going to, shouldn't expect the same result by giving a dog antihistamine to treat their allergy as you would us taking antihistamines to treat ours because histamine is a major player in the symptoms, the manifestations of our allergic disease. So what does that leave us with? Well, I still don't mind antihistamines, especially the old-fashioned ones, the chlorpheniramines, the diphenhydramines, because they do have a mild sedative effect. So we might not get the actual true anti-allergy effect, but you know what? They are miserable scratching like this. If we give them something that just chills them out a little bit, calms them down, that would be good. Then we have to therefore resort to the, a broad spectrum class of anti-allergy, anti-itch medications, and that leads us to the corticosteroids, medications, drugs that we really don't love using. What I often say about steroids, probably one of the number one drugs that we use in veterinary medicine. So it's the number one used drug or certainly one of them, but also unfortunately one of the top abused drugs in veterinary medicine because we need to respect the drug itself. We need to respect its side effects. We need to pay close attention to are we using it properly? Are we using them safely? And for that, you really need to work closely with your veterinarian. I see a lot of problems, not just with the initial disease, but with the treatment as well. There are some new medication. There is a new medication out there. I will be able to talk more about it when it becomes much more available. It is out there now, but very difficult to find. And I don't want to tease you at all about how phenomenal this particular drug is. If you're lucky enough to have a veterinarian who has a stash, has a supply, and you have a pet that has severe allergy, then you might want to ask your vet about that new drug for itching because don't feel badly if they don't have it because it's just, it's not out there yet in enough numbers to satisfy all the pets that need it. But when it's available, you will know about it and it is going to be a game changer for sure. So the uh, flea allergies, take care of the fleas, treat the secondary problem. What about the pollens? I mean, come on, are we going to put our pets in a plastic bubble? Of course not. So what are we going to do? How do we treat and control the problem with allergies? Well, here's where you need to work closely with your veterinarian. We need to make a diagnosis. We need to find out just what your pet is allergic to. And there are some really good tests out there. Now, first of all, there are, well, typically in the past, the best test out there, and still probably is the best, is the skin scratch tests. And these are typically done by board-certified veterinary dermatologists. And they are probably the most sensitive a test, which means they're probably going to be the most specific and accurate. Now, of late, in the last 10, 15 years, blood tests measuring levels of IgE, the antibody that is most active when it comes to fighting allergies. And this is a test that a number of labs do. It's not probably as 
specific and effective and accurate as a scratch test, but the tests are being perfected and they're coming closer and closer and they are, well, easier to give. They are less expensive. And I guess the real beauty is that unlike the skin scratch test, that your pet has to be off of steroids for up to three weeks before the test, which means potentially three weeks of misery, even off of certain antibiotics before the test, even off of antihistamine before the test. So you need to check with your veterinarian or the specialist, depending on the test that they use. So the issue is that you, there is a period that these pets cannot be treated or treated in limited uh, effect. So I think that there is a plus, I think, to the blood test, which we do a lot. But as I said, if you see a dermatologist, your veterinarian wants you to see a dermatologist and they recommend, because dermatologists can do the blood test as well, and they actually, for whatever reason, are recommending the scratch testing, the skin testing, then that's the way to go. So what these tests will do is come back and tell us with fairly strong likelihood, 75, 80% accuracy, what pollens, what allergens, what weeds, what grasses, what trees, what environmental allergens, whether it's wool or cotton or kapok or dander. I've had dogs come in, they're allergic to cats and vice versa. So these are the results that we expect to get from these tests. Then the companies that are doing the test can actually make up a serum that you can give injections at home that will actually build up your pet's own immunity. Like as a kid, how I beat my hay fever is I had allergy shots. And I mean, when I went to vet school, I was still giving myself shots and I had tested positive for dogs, cats, horses, sheep, goats, cows, and hay. So I was a wreck, but it worked. And I'm not a wreck anymore. And I'm not allergic to anything, which is amazing. I grew them. So, I mean, I was allergic to cats, and now I have eight. So, uh, anyway, once the antigens, the solutions are made, and then there are a number of options as well to giving shots, and it is here that I'm going to leave you in suspense. We're going to pick this up next week, and we're going to talk about the various ways to actually treat allergies once they are determined and identified, and we're also going to talk about probably the most difficult of all to treat to even diagnose, and that's the food allergy. So thanks for joining us. I expect to hear from you. I want to thank Frida for calling once again. Frida's going to get a free ProSense product for her new puppy, Penny. Say that 10 times fast. And for a um, and a, a Kong toy. And we will be uh, back here next Sunday here on Pet Life Radio. Ask the Pets with Dr. Jeff. Have a great week. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. 